Welcome to the Stellar Labs podcast, Future Learning Today. At Stellar Labs, our mission is to bust the technology skills crunch with effective, measurable, engaging training. We consult on, design, and deliver the technical and people skills and competencies you need in business. In these podcasts, you'll hear from industry experts and practitioners from the worlds of technology and training. They'll share their experience, insights, and inspiration, and their visions for the future with you. Keep listening to start your future learning here today. Hello, I'm Stella Collins, and welcome back to the Stella Labs podcast. Today, I'm talking to Raf Martino, cybersecurity consultant at Cyberforce, and also a knowledge partner on our Become a Cybersecurity Specialist program. Raf, one of the things that uh, we're all a bit faced with at the moment is, is uh, because of the coronavirus, is we're working more from home, we're working more online. What sort of um, challenges is that throwing up for us? Well, what we're currently seeing is uh, obviously uh, it's it's unusual to have that many people working from home. So you have uh, overload of, of connections via secured channels, so VPN uh, connections to your uh, your office network, which are uh, over, overloaded. They're not uh, designed to uh, to have that many connections, uh, which obviously is also a realistic uh, a threat, a risk, uh, because attackers might exploit that, might uh, might perform some uh, denial of service attacks on, on, uh, on those services, which yeah, essentially uh, bring your business down. Um, so that that's that's what's currently a big risk and uh, a big uh, a big trend we see. Okay. So yeah, we know for all of us that uh, things that things are possibly working a bit slower on the internet, but there's worse things happening. Um, Raf, you wanted to talk about um, some of the concepts about securing applications against attackers. So can you give us first of all and explain to to um, perhaps the, the ordinary mortal like me, what do you exactly mean by, by application? Who needs to protect their applications? Yeah, so what, what I see here in the context of an application is nearly nearly everything you're using on the internet. So if you're uh, going to your banking application, if you're connected to your office uh, network and using a, an internal application to, for example, uh, write your uh, your hours, your your work hours, uh, that sort of stuff. That's all, yeah, all web based usually. Usually, so it's it's web based. Um, but it's it can run on the internet. It can run only internally at your at your office. Uh, the, the primary aspect is that it's it's a web based application like you're used to using uh, throughout the internet. Yeah. So it's pretty much everything that most of us are, are using on our phones, on our computers. Yeah. They're all applications. Yeah, okay, definitely. so it's it's this is pretty important to all of us. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it, it's one of the most commonly used types of uh, of software, I guess. Uh, so, <laughs> if you can have an impact on that, it can have an impact on on yeah, many people. 
Okay. So what are some of the, the common problems then in, in protecting our applications? Um, one of the things I've heard is that user input is a challenge. But again, what, what do we mean by that? And, and what would you recommend we, we do to protect ourselves? Well, yeah, if we, if we look at the, uh, the most common web application vulnerabilities, uh, it's a list uh, called the OWASP uh, Top 10, very good resource. Um, a lot of that can be, can be linked to trusting user input when you shouldn't. So if you type something in a web application, uh, for example, in your banking application, you can maybe search for something in your, uh, in your savings account uh, or a checkings account or uh, just anywhere online where you can input your username or you can uh, perform a search. That's all user input that goes to your uh, server. Uh, so as as a, as a developer, you have to be aware of the fact that that user input might be malicious. So it, it might be able to, for example, when it reaches a database, it might be able to change records if you don't handle that uh, with caution. It might also have an impact on, uh, on other users of your application. For example, if you uh, are able to input something that is shown to another user, it might be able to run code in the browser of that other user. So, uh, for example, if I'm now going to Google, I want to Google something, and there was a vulnerability uh, that, that, well, tr trusted user input from, uh, from a malicious user, um, it could be reflected, so to speak, on my page and have an impact on me. That's the, so there's two aspects, essentially. So you have the server that can be hacked, but you can also have other users of your application that can be hacked. Okay, so you've effectively got um, your, your system is set up to say this data is safe, we will accept this data, but you've got malicious people then using that and putting in um, yeah, malicious yeah. data. Yeah, exactly. So if, you, if you're testing an application as, a, as an ethical hacker, that's one of the first things you do is uh, you, you don't give it the input that it expects. You give it the input that it doesn't expect and you watch what the application is going to do. Okay. All right. So, so the, you want a system that can actually say, this isn't what I was looking for. I wasn't looking for a file right now. I was looking for a, a, a name or something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, for example, yeah. So, uh, one one good uh, recommendation there is that you should always be aware of what kind of input you're you're uh, expecting. So, if you're expecting, uh, uh, for example, a credit card number, you shouldn't uh, allow people to input anything else. Okay. All right. Or, and if they are still able to do that, you should be able to detect that and just reject that sort of input. Okay, so so as a as a user, if you type in rubbish instead of your credit card, it usually does come back and say, "That's not right." Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's right. the way it's supposed to work. Okay, and what what other um, common problems do you have? What what else is a challenge? Well, what we see a lot is. Um, really outdated components in your software stack. So for example, your your uh, web application is running on a web server that is not updated for yeah, the last three years. That's something we see uh, on the internet, but also internally at, at companies. And what that means is if, if, if somehow you can see as, as a hacker what kind of version is running, there are multiple uh, websites out there that you can uh, put that version in and it will say to you if there's uh, a way to exploit that vulnerability. So um, 
or if there are vulnerabilities in the first place, obviously, but if you have a three-year-old version, for example, then chances are uh, that, that there's a vulnerability that you can uh, exploit. And usually those are also uh, publicly available, so you can just download the script and uh, yeah, point that to, uh, to that web server and exploit that, which in many cases gives you access to the server itself. So you can actually download the hacker's script. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's usually scary. publicly available. Yeah. So this is why, for instance, um, on our websites, we need to make sure that, uh, so I have a website that's a WordPress website, we need to make sure that the, the latest updates are all in place. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it's not, not only the WordPress site itself, but also the plugins that you use on that WordPress site. Because those those themselves can have uh, can have vulnerabilities as well. Okay, so things need to be up to date. Are there any other things that you would tell us we need to we need to be more careful about? Well, what you see a lot as well is is sensitive data being disclosed. So you have a lot of uh, yeah personal personally identifiable uh, data or what it is what's it called in English. Um, which is very, very sensitive. And usually that's just a matter of forgetting that you published some, something somewhere, uh, which is the same for uh, default configurations of, of many software uh, applications, uh, which in, in a lot of cases just disclose logging somewhere. It might not be um, directly linked on your, on your application page, for example, but there are tools that, uh, that can enumerate all of the pages that you are uh, hosting. And it's something we we see a lot in in uh, penetration testing, and it 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 often gives us enough information to uh, to get that one step further into hacking uh, the application, my credentials, for example. So is this the sort of thing like you know sometimes you get see if you're trying to fill in a security questionnaire it says I don't know what's the name of your first school or your pet or something, and you happen to have just posted on Twitter you know my cat. Fluffy has done this, this, and this. It could be—is is that the sort of thing we're talking about? No, that—that's—that's that's something different. That's more uh, towards. Well, that's that's a combination of social engineering, I would say, and um, and actually having a an insecure way of of uh, um, getting getting a hold of your password when you're uh, you, when you forgot, for example, okay. there are better ways of doing that. But uh, what this is more about is mainly uh, deploying an application somewhere and forgetting about the default stuff that comes with uh, deploying an application. So you have, uh, uh, for example, the login page for the administrator. Um, that might be disclosed somewhere. You might not be aware of that and it might still be using the default credentials. That's something, yeah happens a lot. It might also be, um, for example, you were debugging something, um, so uh, solving an issue as a developer, but you need kind of logging for that. Maybe you, you log too much and you show that in your application uh, in, in somewhere in the background. You can use that as extra information as an attacker to, uh, to see what is happening and, uh, and maybe misuse that. What we, what we often see is even credentials being logged. So uh, username and passwords uh, in, in, in logs that are open to anyone on the internet. And that's something that's very dangerous, of course, because you can, you can just try those out and uh, it, it often gives us uh, administrative 
access to some of uh, some of the applications we test. Okay, so there's there's all sorts of different levels of of being cyber secure here. There's you know the average person like me who needs to be careful about you know making sure they've, um, for instance, I now use a, a special little tool called Bitwarden to keep my passwords in, which mm -hmm. perhaps I shouldn't have shared in public, but <laughs> but well, at least fine. I'm doing that now. Um, but then, so you've got people like me who need to be more aware of what we're sharing. But you've also got within the the IT community itself people who need to be more aware of what's going on. So we, we you know, you tend to expect that people in the IT community understand these things, but actually they're probably not necessarily any more cyber aware than the rest of us. No, the, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, it's it's still a very specific uh, domain and. Uh, if you're good at, at just at programming or developing in, in general, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're also aware of security. It's it's becoming more common nowadays. Um, so the, the, the software that uh, people are using is uh, is maturing in, uh, in respect to, to security at least, uh, but there's still a long way to go. Um, and, and awareness is, is really key and, and having well-trained, um, developers trained also in security is, is of a very high value. And and is security something that developers are taught generally, normally? Is that part of their educational process? Um, there's not really a focus on it, but yeah, you can't ignore it, of course. So you have the basic uh, concepts normally of how to use, how to um, uh, handle user input, for example, uh, if you're if you're programming uh, something that has to write something to a database nowadays, um, you 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 need to be aware of of the fact that user input can be uh, can be dangerous. So that sort of stuff um, normally is is already taught. Okay, so there is some element of it, but really, we all need to become more cyber aware and have the the skills to respond when when something happens. Yeah. But, but for most of us, we're going to have to call in specialists like you. If, if we have a, a genuine problem, we're going to have to call in a specialist, I would imagine. Yeah, and also it, sometimes it's, it's really what we call a chain of, of uh, vulnerabilities that we uh, exploit. So it might not be one little aspect somewhere, but we uh, use that little aspect and then another little aspect that we found. And we use that together and then we have something that could compromise an application, for example. So that's that's where a real big part of the added value of uh, having ethical hackers is, because those those are the situations you typically can't find uh, as a developer. Um, it's it's yeah, it's it's the small things that you still have to be aware of that can go wrong. And I think it's pretty quite important to to explain to people, Ralph, that your job as an ethical hacker. Um, you're not just w wandering randomly around and hacking into um, random people's systems. You have to be invited in by an organization to to inspect, effectively sort of audit their system. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, yeah, we have all kinds of agreements that we have to uh, have in place before we start. Uh, that's to protect our customers and ourselves, of course. Uh, we, we, we obviously won't do anything uh, malicious without... Um, without first yeah, having an agreement in place. And even then, uh, we won't do anything that, that will harm systems, for example. We will always, if you identify something that could harm your systems, for example, we will always just mention that to you 
Uh, and in some cases, uh, if you have a, a test environment where it doesn't really uh, hurt any people or, or impact production, then uh, in some cases we, uh, we, together with the customer, try to exploit that uh, still to, to see what the impact uh, really is. But uh, no, we will never just start hacking away. Yeah, I thought that was worth explaining just because I could hear you Definitely. sort of talking about hacking into things. And I thought there may be people here thinking I'm I'm talking to an unethical hacker, but uh, that's no, definitely no, no, no. not the case. And even if you do it in, in uh, bug bounties, for example, online, there are uh, there are rules that you have to follow. So uh, even then, if you gain access to a server, for example, you are never allowed to uh, run any commands on that, for example. that That's just not, yeah, it's, it's not ethical. Yeah. Okay, and I, th I think that is really important. So I think I think what I've kind of picked up from this is that you know actually cybersecurity or cyber risk is 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 a big risk, and the more we're online, the the higher the risk. Um, as we talked about earlier on with coronavirus, more people are online, but that it, there are solutions and there are people like you working to protect us. What yeah. would you say as as um, what would be your best piece of advice for you know, perhaps the, the ordinary person in the street, the ordinary person at work, just to try and keep themselves safe. What's your best piece of advice for that? Well, I think the best piece of advice is, is, is being aware of the fact that uh, it's very easy to let a, hack, a hacker in. So if you see something that seems too good to be true, an email, for example, with an attachment, uh, anything that's a little bit out of the ordinary, uh, you, you tend to pick that up. It's it's something intuitive. Just don't click. Just don't give in to your uh, curiosity. I would say, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and report that to uh, to the people that are uh, involved with security in your uh, in your uh, company, for example. But also, if you're doing this just private on your on your own laptop. Um, just be careful with uh, with opening stuff at random. That's uh, it's the biggest risk you can uh, can take. Okay, thank you, Raf. It's been it's been really interesting. I've I've understood even more about what you're you're doing, and I'm <laughs> continuing to to learn more about cybersecurity all the time, which is really fascinating. Thank you very much indeed for for sharing your thoughts today, and um, I hope we can have you back on perhaps in a, a few months' time, and you can tell us some more. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Great to talk to you. Yeah. Bye, Raf. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Please share it with your friends and colleagues and visit our website, stellalabs.eu, to learn more about what we do and how we do it. Tune into the next episode.